Happy Labor Day week. I hope you enjoyed your holiday weekend and short work week. Host Patrick here, solo for the moment. You'll hear Amy's voice in just a couple of minutes. As you likely already know, because we have been talking about it ad nauseum now for a while, and for good reason, the National Hemophilia Foundation's Bleeding Disorders Conference took place at the end of August. Believe Limited had a number of responsibilities, and the Bloodstream podcast was live streaming for a total of eight hours across the three primary days of the conference. Our goal, mine and Amy's that is, was to provide a space and environment for some of those hallway conversations that many of us have cited really missing out on over the last year and a half. NHF did a very good job executing a virtual conference, bringing the best of the best experts and speakers together and breaking out a well-organized schedule across their virtual platform. But those small in-person touch points in the halls or after hours at the bar or sometimes in the back of the conference room, if you're far away enough from everybody so that you're whispering to someone from across the country who you haven't seen in a year since the last time you were at one of these isn't disturbing to all the other people in the room, many of whom you also know because, hey, it's a small world. and you don't want to get a reputation. Not that I'm speaking from experience. Shouts out to Michael de Grand Prix. I feel like we've done that a lot. Anyway, so that was our goal for Bloodstream's eight hours of streaming and cycling in of nine different patients and caregiver guests to provide a small taste of those hallway conversations and intimate off-the-cuff moments. And that's what you're about to hear. It's essentially our best of from those conversations, as well as some of the lighthearted, offbeat, or otherwise just more compelling moments from my and Amy's just chatting with each other for hours on end, whether it was about my experiences lately with chronic pain or Amy's newly discovered love of Formula One race car driving. That was a whole thing I learned about. I'm going to share a couple of key announcements and then we'll just dive right into it all. The best of Bloodstream at BDC 2021. So first announcement, I hosted a session titled The Science Fair Presents the State of Science in Bleeding Disorders. We had three outstanding expert guests, all doctors, NHF CEO and President Dr. Len Valentino, alongside hematologists and researchers Dr. Robert Sidonio and Dr. Jonathan Roberts. In the quick 30-minute session, we covered the top top line updates on novel and gene therapy development across hemophilia A, B, von Willebrand disease, and some of the rare factor deficiencies. We also got an excellent preview of NHF's State of the Science Summit taking place next week, September 12th through the 15th. And if you are a patient, parent, provider, friend, family member, or another kind of human being who has an interest in the science of bleeding disorders, which if you're listening to this, that very well may be you, The summit's free. The summit's open to all. And while the science fair's state of the science session is no longer available, next Friday on September 17th, we'll be releasing audio from that session as a pop-up episode of the Bloodstream podcast. So that'll be coming to you here next week. You've got that as well as the summit to check out if you're interested in the science of bleeding disorders. And if you know of others who'd be interested in hearing that episode, please tell them to subscribe to the Bloodstream podcast. You know the deal. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. They can also follow links on bloodstreammedia.com. Episodes are also directly uploaded to Bloodstream Media's Facebook page. So if you know a Facebook user who might still be like, what's a podcast? I can't. What is it? They can just follow Bloodstream Media's Facebook page and check out the videos tab if they'd like to listen that way. Announcement number two, although that one was kind of like a combined one, so maybe this is number three. 
Announcement number whatever this is. I just mentioned how the science fair session is no longer available. And I mentioned that because the vast majority of the like 100-ish sessions from the NHF BDC are available to watch in full on replay for free if you're registered for the conference. Visit hemophilia.org slash BDC to register. If you have registered, check your email for login information that includes your unique numerical login password, and that's what you'll use to sign into the platform and navigate the various sessions available on replay. I highly recommend taking advantage of this primo material being available until... I think it's like September 23rd, something like that. Maybe the 24th, that's a Friday. So somewhere around that. It's coming up soon enough. So make sure you get on it and check out the sessions that interest you. Let me quickly run through the blood brothers and sisters that you are about to hear from in this best of montage. But first, dear listeners, the Bloodstream podcast is made possible by Takeda. Today's Bloodstream episode is made possible by our partner, Takeda. Navigating your bleeding disorder can be challenging, but Takeda is here to help. Takeda's new My Factor Fam program can help patients and caregivers learn more about Factor. My Factor Fam connects you to resources and information. To learn more and to enroll in My Factor Fam, visit us at myfactorfam.com. Wherever your bleeding disorder takes you, Takeda is there to support. Thanks, Takeda. All right, here's the list of who you're going to hear from coming up. And I'll let you know when they came through on the stream. So on Thursday, we had three blood brothers come through. Chris Bombardier, the executive director of Save One Life. We talked with him about Save One Life and the Wheels for the World campaign going on right now that Natalie and I are participating in. Join Team Papa Wheelie. Speaking of Papa, we also talked to him about new dad life. He and I had our first children not like 22 days apart and joked about how uh, we're just doing certain parts of life in direct parallel these days, apparently, because that's how it works. John Faria, another blood brother who's also an NHF board member, he came on and was able to share insights from the board about some of the work that's gone on behind the scenes leading to NHF's new mission and vision and refocus on research. And he shared some great words about the impact that the Breaking Through Vocal Ensemble program had on him this year. Some really valuable stuff to say about that that I'm excited to share. And then lastly, on Thursday, we spoke to Shelby Smoke another artist in the community. He has a new EP out called Crisis. Five songs all related to his bleeding disorder. We talk about those as well as the role of music and arts in his life and his interactions with other musicians in the community. Friday, we spoke to Jonathan Hill, the author of Blood of the Paladin, the graphic novel, and the audiobook podcast series via Bloodstream Media. And we talked with him about a number of things, including his experience of disclosing AIDS to his friends as a kid and the fear that came with that and how it impacted those relationships, relationships that to this day continue to prove very, very meaningful in his life, which is also part of what you hear about on the podcast, not just hear about, but on the Blood of the Paladin podcast series, you hear from those friends depicted in the book from recent interviews. So those are kind of fun. So highly recommend Blood of the Paladin if you haven't checked that out before. Rich Pazillo from up in New England, the executive director, that is, of the New England Hemophilia Association, Niha, was telling us about the family camp experience they had just before COVID deemed everything was going to have to return to a virtual environment. Niha was able to sneak in a live event and shared some of the wins from that and talked about what he and other EDs are discussing and dealing with on the chapter track, most prominently the decision on whether or not any live programming can continue this year, which it sounds like from that conversation, spoiler alert, not looking too good. 
And Cassandra Campos McDonald, a mom, a writer, a wife, a minister, and someone who herself experiences chronic pain. We talked about that. We talked about chronic pain in her family. She has two boys with hemophilia, one with an inhibitor, and he hasn't had a bleed in four years. So we talked about that and the before after of a kid with an inhibitor who suddenly stops bleeding. And not suddenly, it was a treatment change and, you know, what have you. And we also talked about faith. As I mentioned, she's a minister, and I'm interested in that topic. I can't say that I'm necessarily a person of faith, but for that reason, I'm very interested in speaking with people who I care about and respect about their experience with faith, in particular as it relates to their bleeding disorder or their bleeding disorder in their family. So that was a really interesting part of the conversation that I think you listeners may enjoy. And then Nicole Scappy joined us on Friday. You've heard from Nicole Plenty, education specialist at NHF and Blood Sister. She talked about all the work that she and the team have done for NHF and shared some of the successes and highlights from the RARES track. And then on Saturday, we spoke to Mental Health Matters 2 founder, friend, and oft colleague Debbie De La Riva about her experience of the BDC and what's going on within the community from a mental health perspective as she is a licensed clinical professional. And then Mike Hargett, Chef Mike from up in Oregon, he joined us to tell us about his experience and give us some updates as well. Throughout the course of the three days, we also played our latest from the Let's Talk Mental Health podcast segment that we've been running once a month here on Bloodstream, a segment that also doubles down as a video segment that you can watch in isolation. If you like the really well-produced videos by Joshua Sterling Bragg, cinematographer on the Let's Talk documentary and the creative director here at Believe Limited, he has those available. If you go to bloodstreammedia.com and to the Bloodstream podcast page, you'll see the button to click on the Let's Talk segments if you just want to check those out in isolation, but you'll be hearing the latest one in just a little bit. And you'll hear us talk a little about the various programs we had, the Teen Impact Awards, the Science Fair, and then I was involved in four sessions, two for NHF's Rares track, one Takeda Symposium, and that session on the state of science that I told you about just a little while ago. And then during our downtime, as I said, you're going to hear Amy's love of racing come up, my recent experiences with pain, and a whole lot of other stuff. So here you go. Here's our best attempt to give you a little bit of those hallway conversations. Amy and I know this is not the same as if we were together actually having them. Hopefully that will be coming sooner than not. But in the meantime, please kick back and enjoy this best of bloodstream at BDC 2021. Welcome to Bloodstream Live during BDC 2021. I'm Bloodstream podcast host, patient, and advocate, Patrick James Lynch. And I am that nonprofit nerd and your other host and fully caffeinated, Amy Board. Fully. It's only 9 a.m. here. I still, I'm like just starting the caffeination You process. guys are getting a solid three hours of me, which means that I'll probably need another one of these. But I'm excited <laughs> for everybody for the next 45 minutes. Twist. I have fallen in love with a new sport. Curling. No. Oh. And I was actually going to bring it up before about our storytelling thing. And we just like moved on. And I was like, it's fine. But now here it is. Here's the moment. I have fallen in love. And I swear to God, I can't believe this is happening with Formula One racing. Wow. Race cars. Okay. And the reason why is there is a documentary on Netflix about Formula One racing. The series? It's a series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Drive to Survive. I will say from like now that I'm a little bit in the filmmaker world, in the documentary world, I can say this with a little bit more authority, but it's one of the best documentary series I think I have ever seen. This sport is fascinating to me. I freaking love it. I love it. I'd also like to give a shout out to Chris Bombardier, who also loves it. I also want to give a shout out to Jess Bombardier, who hates it. 
All right, let's bring him on. Chris Bombardier. Chris, how's Jess doing, and how is little Carter doing? Jess and Carter are doing great. My uh, favorite Bombardiers, if I do have to say so myself. That's fair. <laughs> no, that's that's totally fair. Um, yeah, they're doing great. Carter, like, it's crazy. He's, like, almost six months old, and, like, the amount he's developed and grown in just six months is just wild. It's just fun to, like, be a part of that experience and like just to get to enjoy all of it it's it's just so fun <laughs> i love it <laughs> i know chris and i our kids are 22 24 days apart something like yeah, that something, something crazy absurd. like that <laughs> so we're gonna hit some of these milestones at the all second. together but yeah. yeah it's crazy to just see like at, at around this time she's really become a little person and her body's more sturdy and her expressions <laughs> are more nuanced and there's pattern recognition stuff happening i can't believe it's been six months it's everything people said it goes so fast yeah it's so wild yeah, I guess Patrick and I, once we decided to do a movie together, we just decided, let's do everything. The rest the of the same life. time, you know, let's the whole rest the of the whole life. thing. Let's yeah. be on the same timeline. Lining it all up. It's been working really well so far. <laughs> <laughs> Wheels for the World, where can people go to learn more about it or to register to sign up to get one of these bike boxes? Where can people go? Yeah, so if you go to savewinelife.net, right on the homepage, there'll be a link to Wheels for the World to register. And I think it's cool to kind of note that Wheels for the World started with Barry Hardy, who's a community member from Texas. Texas, riding his bike across the country. He's a guy with hemophilia, HIV, hep C, doing amazing things and inspiring a lot of people. And this this is really just a continuation of his legacy and his kind of, uh, yeah, hopefully continuing to motivate people to get out and ride and be healthy and take care of themselves while supporting other people, which is really cool. So let us welcome on from the National Hemophilia Foundation's Board of Directors, a fellow blood brother, a talent show participant. We got to talk more about that. John Faria. Hey, John, how are you, man? I am so excited sitting here in my kitchen to be talking with my two favorite people. I am I'm so happy to be able to spend some even a short period with you guys. And obviously you can see my, my comments during the talent show. Uh, I realized that I was commenting too much. But Wait, how do you realize you were commenting? Cuz it was much? just like John John like I was just, I was like <laughs> directors cutting the like, you know, it was it was too much for me. <laughs> uh, but to tie that into what we did at Breaking Through was I was so infatuated with Paul and his ID ideology around singing as a vector for positive i i just i never like it's really fun for me but i didn't think of it as like a person oriented thing so just participating in that understanding that doing something highly uncomfortable for me which is singing Mm. i know i have a very deep voice but i don't use it to sing just getting to know paul and what a great ideology he has what a great level like just got everybody comfortable and Mm. i really felt the therapeutic value of that experience. Like it was very That's apparent cool. to me after, I don't know how, I don't know. It felt like three days, but after the hour of whatever time we put in, it was really short, but it was very intense. Yeah. I was like, I know what you're doing, Paul. Like, I, I know, I know. Like, you didn't sneak one by me. It's therapeutic. Like, let's do that. Yeah. More, you know? Yes. John, actually, before we start, tell a little bit yes. about your board service and tell us a little bit yeah. about, well, what board are you on, sir? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, did not know that, right? So, yeah, I've been in the bleeding disorders community my whole life. I started in, in some sort of leadership capacity down in Houston. There was a lot going on at Houston. It's a big city big population of people in the bleeding disorders community. It was exciting. So then I moved to Oklahoma. I worked at the board level here, and that's where I got to meet a lot of our great leaders in the NHF staff, right? And that was the reason why in 2019, I was approached and they said, hey, you know, would you like to join the National Hemophilia Foundation's board of directors? Coming out of my time as a board member locally. 
let's welcome in now our next guest, speaking of talent show and musical performers. <laughs> Shelby Smoke is a blood brother and a musician, and he joins us now. Shelby, what's up? You look Hi, good, man. You, you, I love yeah, your spot. I know, you're on a couch, Yeah, it's, too. Uh, it turned out to be a beautiful day, so I'm outside on our porch as opposed to inside. What's going on with you right now? What yeah. about BDC 2021 is exciting to you? What's on your mind coming into this virtual conference? Where, where are you at? So I always go for those really heavy-hitting, science-based. I, I, that's how I understand the disease. That's how what I respond yes. to. I'll be honest, in live NHF, I would walk into sessions that I didn't really know if I was supposed to be in there. And usually somebody <laughs> would come in and tell me I wasn't supposed to be in there because it was- Wrong color doctors. badge. And yeah, then yeah. I'd be like, I'm a doctor. Um, <laughs> but, yes. but they weren't buying it. <laughs> there's several sessions, the new therapies, and there's another one tonight, advanced treatments, therapies, things like that. And I like the advancements in therapies because, you know, we, we talk a lot about gene therapy and it definitely has mm -hmm. been sort of at the forefront of conversations, but just like any of our therapies, it's not going to solve the problem for everybody. So mm. if you kind of put all the other therapy pursuits aside and you only focus on gene therapy, then there's going to be a falling out, a gap of people seeking new therapies that aren't going to be covered. So I, I, I like it when I hear about other technologies like bypassing agents and things like that, that are being pursued along with gene therapy, because, you know, it's, it's, it's not an eggs in one basket kind of situation. You know, all that stuff looks promising. It looks great. But I do like to hear about other therapies that are coming down the pipe. You've come on Bloodstream before, and we've talked a bit about your history with music, but maybe for people who aren't familiar, can you give us a little bit of, you know, a reader's digest of your journey in music and landing with the release of Crisis yeah. a couple of weeks ago now, the five song EP. So yeah, give us a little bit of a runway to the release of Crisis. Yeah, I've, I've always been involved in music. I think I started playing guitar when I had chronic bleeds. It was something I could do. It was a nice outlet. And in college, I toured a lot, you know, whether I was the guitar player, or the bass player, the keyboard player. What really turned the corner for me was when I published the memoir, which was Bleeder, my story and my struggles of hemophilia and HIV. And then, you know, that was received well and it did really well, but it just seemed like something wasn't done for me. But I realized the catharsis of writing that memoir, I could kind of carry it into music, which I hadn't done before. Music was mm. not really hitting that place for me yet. And so I think I realized the power of writing and that was kind of a highlight for me in terms of understanding how music could be fruitful for me and channeling some of those negative energies into positive outcomes. So it's, it's kind of one of those oxymorons where you're putting out music that I think is, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's dark. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but for me, the effect of it was much different than that. Let's bring on the author and star of Blood of the Paladin, Jonathan Hill. Hi, Jonathan, Jonathan. Hill. Welcome back to the Bloodstream Podcast. Hi, buddy. Amy, Patrick, great to see you guys. Great to see you too, man. Congratulations once again on Blood of the Paladin. And I, I imagine like as it's been out now for a little while and people continue to find it and engage with it, that you're, you get feedback and hear from people and that your experience of like what this is and what it's meant is evolving. So where are you with Blood of the Paladin? Like what have you been hearing and, and what is it meaning to you right now at 20? 2021. I've just kind of been blown away by, you know, the impact it's having on people, you know, and, and how it's touching people and, and, you know, kind of bringing people together around this topic. I guess it technically got released in February of this year, but we've been working on it for a couple of years. And yeah. 
But, you know, it's just amazing, you know, whether it's the fact that we got a little story on it covered on Dragon Plus, the online D&D magazine. Yeah. A reader of that reached out uh, and, and wrote a really touching message about his brother that had hemophilia. He remembered that his brother taught him how to play Dungeons and Dragons, and that really connected two aspects of his world back together. So, you know, it's stories like that that it's just it blows me away. You know, the, your, the friends that you made through D&D growing up are prominently featured in Blood of the Paladin. And I know to this day remain people who are very important in your life. Can you share with us a little bit about how your relationships have grown over the years from being players of Dungeons and Dragons to that and so much more? You know, my, my circle of friends, you know, we've been through a whole lot together. It started by going on these fantastical adventures together, making characters, building worlds, slaying dragons. You know, but then with, you know, myself finding out about my AIDS exposure, my HIV status, you know, they were the first group of friends I told. Late 80s, you know, that was a really scary time. But, you know, I really felt close to them and I felt like I could trust them. That started this just whole nother level to our friendships. And the great thing is it's continued to this day. Now we live all across the country, but we've we found a way to play D&D through like a Zoom kind of thing on a regular basis so you know what 35 36 years later we're still playing Dungeons and dragons so there you go we have another guest and his name is rich pazillo he is the executive director of the new england hemophilia association a fellow blood brother and a friend and also just an all-around great dude mr rich pazillo how are you going it's good to see you both i'm gonna be honest it's not a bdc until i've been in the same room with rich pazillo wearing a gingham shirt you know what i'm saying (laughs) there you go Mark it down. You know Next what I'm year, saying? Bring it. Where are you at right now? BDC 2021. What's going on with you in the conference? What have you seen or what are you looking forward to? BDC 2021, Rich Pazillo. Yeah, so I'll start by giving a shout out. I'm looking most forward to the session Michael and I are doing at 445 called Powerful Partnerships. So thankful that NHF has continued to focus on the partner element of yes. how it affects the spouses having yes. a chronic condition. It's so, so important. And so often we talk about how the patient is dealing with coping and accepting, but the partner also has quite the roller coaster ride as well. So thank you to NHF for continuing to invest in the partner aspect of the conference itself. And I cannot forget one of the things that we did for the chapter reception is NHF sent the chapters six or seven rocks and we had someone live teach us how to calm yourself when you're stressed out and use rocks to build like a rock garden. It was really interesting because it's frustrating. The rocks fall over, you get anxiety, you want it to be perfect, but the whole thing is letting go. You can't control everything and imperfection is what we strive for. So it was really good to do it virtually and lots of laugh as we're balancing six or seven rocks on top of each other virtually. Is there consensus amongst chapters around what you suggested that in spite of thinking that maybe now by fall we could go back to in-person, maybe hybrid that we're looking at perhaps full virtual across the board? Is that kind of where the chapter network's leaning? What our healthcare providers are advising is really right now we have two seasons. We have the outdoor season and the indoor season, and Mm. it's really tough to do anything inside. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to really think outside the box of how can we still create the element in the fall of being outside without having an actual conference, but doing the, the educational sessions virtually at another point. The community and our sponsors really 
need that interaction. It's been missing for a year and a half. So we're really trying hard to think outside the box. I mean, in California, it's great in October. In New England, it could be a little bit iffy, but yeah. we have free blood. We can go outside if it's snowing in October or wear some mittens and boots, right? I like that <laughs> attitude. Yeah. <laughs> With yes. that, we'll transition to an on mic hello. Cassandra Campos McDonald joins us now. How are you, Kaz? Good to see you. Hi, I am great. Hey, you're a new papa. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we haven't spoken since that. Yeah, life's a, a wee bit different. Kaz, you do so much within the community and beyond. Would you let people know what all it is that you do, both within the bleeding disorders community and outside of it from a community building standpoint? You know, I have two sons with severe hemophilia A, one living with an inhibitor. So that's sort of how I got into this wonderful community of people. And, you know, when you're a mom and you're trying to figure it all out, you just become an advocate like you never dreams you would be and mm -hmm. and then you know being thrust into this community it's about not just what can I get because in the beginning you're looking you're desperate for information right mm -hmm. right and connections but but then when you get a little bit of experience under your belt then it's time to pay it forward you know and it's time yeah. to share and to help others and and one of the things that I'm very passionate about is helping people tell their stories I'm curious to know how, and I think we've talked about this before, but I'm curious about your faith and where that and the bleeding disorders intersect. And there are sessions at conferences like the BDC on faith and bleeding disorders, but it's not a topic that gets discussed in a more general setting, uh, maybe amongst people who aren't necessarily responding to something that says faith and bleeding disorders. And I think it's important to have conversations like that outside of settings exclusive to that topic. So how do you kind of marry your faith with the bleeding disorders, challenges that come, especially when things are harder or at their grimmest. I'm really curious about that. And I'll, in full disclosure, this is coming from someone who's not a person of faith. So it's something I have genuine curiosity around. Mm -hmm. Love this question. As a person of faith, I can't wait to hear your answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, gosh, there, there's a million ways uh, that you can go with this. And, and I think that having sessions about anything with faith will scare people off. But yeah. I like to think of it this way. I go back to AA, their sure. big book, you know, their, their Bible. Okay. Right. It's phenomenal. Okay. It's just phenomenal. I use it often when I'm thinking about things, um, uh, uh, faith related, because <laughs> even there, you know, when you have people who are like, I'm an atheist, I don't believe that's okay. All right. The, the whole thing for me is, do you believe there is something bigger than yourself? You know, for me, it's like, what is bigger than me? And for me, I find that in God. Okay. I'm a mm. Christian. For me, mm. when the, the bad times that were just so bad, I had that with me always. You know, I always knew that my faith is what kept me going. That in in an instant, I can sit there. I can cry out to God. I can just say those things that I need to say in my mind because the way I try to live my life I try to live it as one of constant prayer. If you try to live your life with that intention that you are loving others, that you are like for me with my son when he was so sick, you know, that that's what it was all about was that love that I had for him and that I would do whatever I needed to because I had strength in God. And that is what held me together because mm. I could be focused 
on what my son needed. It was my faith that helped me to get through it. That was a superb answer. I love where you started. I mean, that was all wonderful, but where you started with when can you look out and is there something greater than me out there? And I think that is a starting place. Like I, yes, the answer is yes. You know, so maybe when I say I'm not a person of faith, Perhaps this is getting a little semantic. I, I do believe there's greater than me out there and I try to contribute to that and I try to stay listening to that. I don't believe everything is a coincidence. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It just changes. So that's kind of interesting. What's that change? My mom has said when she worked at a cardiac floor, she's a nurse. My mom has fallen out of her faith a long time ago, but she would say the moment the soul leaves the body, you can tell. No matter how sick that person may have been, no matter how many machines were connected to them to keep them alive, no matter how gray they were, no matter how unresponsive they were, the moment that they're gone, you can tell. And she would say, what is that? I think about that probably more often than I should for just being a healthy person in the world. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I think that's a fantastic and valid question. We have another great guest, Nicole Scappy, education specialist from the National Hemophilia Foundation, Teen Impact Award presenter. Now she's also an author. Nicole! I don't know. She's got so many things going for her. Nicole, welcome back <laughs> to Bloodstream. Thank you for having me back, Amy. I saw Taylor Swift clapping for you last night. <laughs> I love that now my fandom of Taylor Swift has like become my personality. Oh, so yeah. like, I can't begin <laughs> to tell you, like I heard more people about the Taylor Swift thing yesterday than I heard on my birthday. Like it was <laughs> big. I, so this was the first time that I actually, so I was actually working last year when these happened. So I was managing sessions while the Teen Impact Awards were happening. Actually, can't be night. So this year, the first year in what, seven years we've been doing this, Patrick, maybe. Yeah. Um, I was able to sit in my living room and I had you guys on my big screen TV plugged in my laptop. So it was like this whole awesome like show, but it was exactly what I expected. You know, every time I watch those awards, it just like brings the warm feelsies back. This is why I do what I do. And like, how about those? kids last or young adults last night it's amazing yes. we were just we were talking a little earlier the one uh young person who developed like this conference there was a platform where like you can make a game and so yes. he made like an 8-bit soccer game and brought it to the board and was like why don't we do a virtual like this yes. i was like who are you where'd yes. you come from yeah right you might want to get his application for bloodstream <laughs> not a bad idea all right well let's send him a little message but just in general the rares track and the in the work for the rare community during the conference What's going on? Absolutely. So we actually have lots going on. Today we had our rare reception. This is a networking hour, right? So um, within that, we, we made up a song and it was to the song, Let It Be, but it was on the moon. Nice. On the moon, on the moon. <laughs> we actually have a session coming up and it's with the one and only Dr. Diane Nugent. And I'm really excited about this. And the title of it is Ultra Rare Bleeding Disorders, Hot New Topics in Research. You know, right now we have something called the state of the science happening. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in that session and how our ultra rare community can get involved and attend the state of the science. Right. And Dr. Nugent's really going to take some time to talk through some of the struggles of the rares. So for right. example, like the pathway to diagnosis is quite difficult for those with ultra rare. Um, as you know, the, our new ultra rare fact booklets came out for factor seven deficiency, factor 10 deficiency, factor 13 deficiency, and glands and thrombocenia. Let me tell you, Patrick, throughout that process doing in Amy, we, we did a lot of research and there's really not much that exists for these people. There is yeah. not, not find like a brochure that said like factor whatever on it. So this is huge. And I, and I don't quote me on this, but I'm going to really hope the NHF will let us make more for other factor deficiencies. I, my hope is to have 13 of these from one to 13. Um, that would be the eventual yeah. goal. So I'm very happy those launched at BDC as well. 
my friend, my colleague, my partner on the Let's Talk film. She's known for her work within the community, focusing on mental health through Mental Health Matters too. Debbie De La Riva, good afternoon. How are you, Debbie? Good afternoon, Patrick. Hearing people starting to talk about mental health, Amy and I were talking about, you know, there's a lot of big words, but it's sometimes just much more subtle and it's not quite as profound. It's not, you know, the depression's a big word. Clinical mm -hmm. depression and being diagnosed with that is a very specific thing, but there's a lot of variations on I'm not at my best that fall under the category of mental health challenges. And that actually leads me to a question I want to ask. Maybe could you speak a little bit to that, that spectrum? Being able to talk about these concepts that every single one of us are having them, we might even know what they're called, but it's there. Right. What is it like when you really feel like your mind is a mind of its own yeah. and it's, 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 it's keeping you down and keeping you stuck? And then people can really hang on to that and understand, oh, that could be behind why my heart is beating out of my chest most of this time because of anxiety or I can't get out of bed. So what about the BDC? Have you been able to see some of the BDC? I have. National Hemophilia Foundation, kudos to you. I see what you're doing. We see what you're doing, beefing up the mental health programming. John Velasco's good deal, buddy, about putting the whole wellness series. Also, um, I heard, believe her name is Dr. Carrie Norris, that we have the privilege that has decided to, to land in our organization. I want you to, to, to know all of NHF and to her specifically. I see the diversity, the inclusion, and the equity work that's going on within NHF. And I really, really applaud that. Chef Mike, Mike Hargett from Oregon. He's been on the pod before. He's been involved in video series that we've done before. What's your BDC 2021 been like, Mike? You know, I'm grateful that we can still connect virtually. It embraces how well the hemophilia community comes together. In a time where it's hard to do, it makes it so easy and refreshing and mental therapy for me to be able to do this virtually with you where you're in LA and I'm in Washington and we still get to do this across the country with other people who tune in to BDC as well. So I've had a great experience. I love all the interaction. I love all the connections, the booths. Um, that's, you know, I missed out on all the swag that you get from being in person. I have to figure maybe they can Far less mail swag. some swag. <laughs> yes, right. One of my main breakouts is the advancements in hemophilia medicine. You know, anything that comes sure. forward as far as gene therapy. But I truly feel like it's an amazing time to be a hemophiliac. Is there something you've learned about this virtual environment when it comes to advocacy? I really feel that it's based on how well you have a support system, how well you're connected in your HTC or whether it's legislature, like you said, or an IEP. It's having those relationships and the foundations built to where that you can lean on people to be another form of advocacy if you can't get through to the people that you're trying to advocate for. Let's Talk is the documentary that Believe did that was profiling or that does profile mental health experiences throughout the bleeding disorders mm -hmm. community. But we've also been producing a segment for the Bloodstream podcast that's led by our cinematographer, Joshua Sterling Bragg. I want to use all three names, Josh <laughs> Bragg for short. So yeah, let's play. Without further ado, here is the latest segment of the Let's Talk podcast segment, a video segment led by Joshua Sterling Bragg. Do you remember that song from The Sound of Music? How do you solve a problem like Maria? Do you ever kind of think that way about yourself? Like, how do I solve a problem 
like me? How do I fix me? I do. We can't just choose to be happy, especially when depression is rearing its awful head. Making a single choice will not fix me, but maybe that's the wrong mentality anyway. Here's what a clinical psychologist had to say on the matter. We're here with Emily Wheat, clinical psychologist at the University of Colorado HTC. Emily, what is the difference between accepting your mental health challenges rather than solving them? Do we ever solve them? Yeah, Amy, I would like to believe that there are times where we can solve those mental health challenges. Um, With that being said, I do think we're all made a little differently. And so um, we we may at times be um, more vulnerable than others to different things that are happening in our environments, um, to different stressors that come up. And I think that's okay and that's normal. I think knowing yourself, knowing where um, those buttons are that might be pressed is important and is part of that acceptance that you mentioned. Um, I also think that when you seek out mental health supports, there are definitely opportunities to build tools and skills to increase your knowledge um, about yourself in a way that can really help you to cope better with those stressors as they arise. So there's definitely hope um, for those of us out there who may, who may be having some sort of you know, stressor or you know, mental health concern. What if we could stop thinking of ourselves as needing to be fixed and start to embrace who we are, flaws and all? What if we could make the choice not to be happy, but to accept who we are in our various states of mental health? If we can accept that we aren't perfect, if we can accept that we have triggers and anxiety and depression as a part of our whole self and be okay with that, well, then maybe the choice to do something good for ourselves is just a little bit easier. All right, that does it for our best of bloodstream at BDC 2021. I hope that was enjoyable. I hope you learned a thing or two. I hope you found some stuff that you want to go look up now, having heard about here on the podcast. So next Friday, we'll have that science session with Len Valentino, Robert Sedonio, and Jonathan Roberts, three hematologists and experts talking about the state of science and bleeding disorders and previewing the state of science summit from NHF that is coming up next week. So make sure to check out that episode when it drops on September 17th. Amy and I will be back together for that one. And until then, bloodstreammedia.com is where you can go for links to subscribe in all the places. If you are subscribed, please leave us reviews. Those do really help. Please share these episodes with friends, family on whatever social media outlet you care to do so. Word of mouth is the best way we can reach new people. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Takeda, bleedingdisorders.com. Thank you to our Let's Talk segment sponsor, Sanofi Genzyme, and for all of your support of the Let's Talk film, letstalkmh.com. Thank you to our partner, Sanofi Genzyme, on that. Listeners, we will talk to you again next week. Until then, my name remains Patrick James Lynch, and until next week, take self-care of yourself. Bye, everybody. <laughs>